All right, let's, uh, let's begin by going back to the book of James, chapter 1. We, and we're going to uh, read verses 21 to 25. And basically, the, the, the theme of our message this morning is going to be related to not just being hearers of the Word of God, but being doers of the Word. So, you know, we come together every Sunday and we hear the Word spoken and we hear it with our ears, and, uh, but that's not really enough, as, as we'll see here in a moment. James chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 20 because this is the transition verse. Remember the... Uh, the last uh, commands and given uh, in the previous verse was that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So I just want to ask, how's that working out for you? <laughs> Have you had opportunity to uh, be reminded of that this, this week? Uh, man, that's a killer when, uh, when you know these things and you, the Lord reminds you of them. Anyway. So it continues with verse 20. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. The book of James is all about action. And I think I, at the very beginning, we talked about how this little tiny book of five chapters and like 118 verses or something like that, it has 55 commands in it. In this one small book, a command is, an, is a choice that the Lord gives us. Commands are inherently choices. And commands are the things that God wants us to do. And so when we're commanded to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, that is expressing for us the, the will of God for our lives. That's what he wants. But as commands, the thing about a command is that there's a choice. The choice is I can either obey the command and do what it says or I can not obey the command and not do what it says. And that choice has been left up to us. So James has 55 of these in his book. And when you look at the book of James and you compare it to the epistles of Paul, Paul speaks all about the the theology of our salvation, if you will. He, he speaks about our salvation in terms of what Christ did to accomplish it, the faith that is necessary to obtain it. James, however, isn't really talking about the theology of our salvation. James' interest is the living out of our salvation. 
James assumes something that we know is true. True faith will be evidenced by our obedience to the Lord. Now, I want you to turn uh, in toward the back of the New Testament to the book of 1 John chapter 2. Just to illustrate something for you. <clears throat> so James, he's speaking, he's writing to Christians. Just, just that's, that would be like us. And he's teaching us about here's the things that you should be doing as an expression of the faith that you have in Christ, as an expression of your belief, as an expression of your relationship. Your works, your deeds, your actions, your behaviors are all expressions of the new life that you are in Christ. Now, when we come to the book of 1 John, chapter 2, um, we'll, we'll look at a couple of verses. We'll start in verse 3. John, when he writes his little epistles, he writes kind of in black and white. It's like there's no gray areas here. Um, but let's start with verse 3. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. What do those two verses summarize those two verses? Just how, how would you summarize those two? Can you summarize them even more than they're summarized here? What are they saying? Okay. Yeah, what John is saying is that if you have a relationship with Christ, if you truly have come to know the Lord, it will be evidenced by your keeping his commandments. Now, remember, no one is ever saved by keeping commandments. But when you are saved, you become a new creature in Christ. Is that not correct? Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. And that's not a command. That's just a statement of fact. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It doesn't say you need to become a new creation or you need to act like a new creation. He says you are a new creation as a, and, and as a, just a, uh, I'll use the word natural, but I really mean supernatural. As a natural outgrowth of that relationship, your life has changed. And the changes aren't necessarily deliberate. Okay, I've got to keep all the commandments. I've got to keep all the commandments. It's just, it's just that when the Holy Spirit is in your life because you're a child of God, we want to keep the commandments of the Lord. Even though no one will be able to keep all of them. Right? Anyone? Look at 1 John 2.29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. John says the same thing there. If you're born of him, if you're born of God, since the Lord is righteous, everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. 1 John 3, 7, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. 1 John 3, 10, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. 
Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So those are pretty like in-your-face statements. But they're statements of fact. If you, you don't become a child of God, you don't become born of God by obeying the commandments. But once you are born again, this is evidence. All right? This is the evidence that we keep his commandments. And uh, uh, if, if you would go back, let's go back to James. Okay, we're through there with John. A verse that we looked at previously uh, is in verse 15, or excuse me, verse 18 of James 1. In the exercise of God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. We have been born again by God's will through the word of truth so that we could be presented before the Lord as a first fruits offering among his creatures. The Lord saves us for a purpose. And one of the purposes is so that we can display the character of Christ. So when it says a man's anger doesn't achieve God's righteousness, James is talking about righteousness in terms of how we live our lives. When Paul talks about righteousness, Paul's righteousness, he's usually talking about what we call, big word, imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness is a righteousness, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that God bestows upon us. And it, it puts us in a state of righteousness. The thing about living as a child of God is that God has made all of these changes to us. And because he's made these changes to us, our behavior should reflect those changes. So for instance, God has sanctified us What's, uh, you know what sanctify is, right? God has set us apart. He's made us holy. God has made us holy. That's why every believer in Jesus Christ, no matter what their spiritual condition, if they're truly a believer in Jesus Christ, we are called saints. Saints is a, it's an English word that means holy ones, saints. And we've talked about this before, and I think a lot of you probably know this already. But God is the one who made us holy. He calls us holy. We are holy. But then he turns around, and like in the book of First Peter, he says to believers, you be holy because I'm holy. So we are holy. That's our position. Now we need to act like it. Okay? And, and that, that's, where James, that's where James's heart is. He's, his, he's, not, he's not talking about the, all the things that God did to accomplish for our salvation. James' heart is with, show me your faith. Okay, live it out. And we live it out by following the commands that the Lord gave us. Because when the Lord gives a command, that obviously is an indication of that this is God's will for you. This is what I want for you. And so we need to choose whether we're going to walk after the Lord or whether we're not. 
So back here in James chapter 1, uh, I'll start with verse 21. Therefore, therefore, everybody have therefore in your Bible? Okay. Therefore is an important word, right? Therefore does, what does therefore do? Get ready for a command or get ready for something. The therefore is a conclusion or an implication based on what was said previously. So whenever you see a therefore, it's a, it's a connecting word that connects what previously was stated, and now it's going to draw a conclusion or an implication. And in this case, he says the anger of God doesn't achieve the righteous. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, put aside. Put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And in verse 21, as a consequence of what's said in verse 20, there are two things in verse 21 that we are asked to do. Can you pick them out? Put aside, that's the first, and receive in meekness. Receive in meekness, the word, that's the main command here. But to do that, you've got to first put aside the things that are in our lives. We've, we need to make a choice. We uh, we're not saying you've got to completely overcome these issues that you deal with, but we have to make a choice that we are going to choose to put those aside. And when you do that... Uh, uh, I'm not sure of the different translations. Putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Um, other words instead of filthiness, where mine says filthiness. Uncleanness. Filthiness. It's a word that means dirt. <laughs> but moral dirt, okay? We need to make a choice. I've got to do two things here. I'm going to live out my faith as the Lord instructs me. There's some things I need to get rid of because they don't reflect rightly on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then that's not enough. Then I've got to receive the word that God has provided for me. And James says um, in verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So in verse 22, it says, instead of simply hearing the word, we must also be doers of the word, else you delude yourself. You deceive yourself. What's the delusion there? Just hearing the word, not doing the word, and, and James says, you're, you're, you're deluding yourself, you're kidding yourself. Where's the delusion in that? That hearing is enough. Enough to what? That hearing is enough uh, to achieve the righteousness of God. In other words, we're to reflect the righteousness of God 
and it doesn't happen simply by hearing the word. We have to do it. The delusion comes from thinking that because you've heard the word that this will bring about God's blessing in your life or that merely knowing the word will produce growth in faith. Just hearing the word is of little value if nothing's done to apply the word. Spiritual maturity is not reflected in the number of correct answers you can give as much as it's reflected by the change in life that's brought about by the Word of God. Hearing has to be followed by doing. Let me tell you about my experience in getting my driver's license. So I'm 16 in high school. All my buddies are getting their driver's license. I go to get my driver's license. And there, you know, I'm all excited. I'm telling them I'm going to get my license today. So I go down to DMV, and I take this written test, and I flunk it. I don't even get to take the driving test. So I go back again. I flunked it again. And third time, I passed the test, but they didn't give me my driver's license. Why is that? Why? Why don't you get a driver's license when you go and you, you pass the test? Yeah. You've got to actually, they take you and put you in a car, and you've got to show them that you can do, in reality, what you answered on your test. I don't know if they do that anymore. Do they still do driver's tests? Emma, have you got your license? Not yet? Okay. There is a driver's test, though? Okay. I know they have some new rules, like if you're, if you take driver's ed and, oh, I won't even go there. I, I, I know there's new rules. But anyway, the point is, hearing is not sufficient when it comes to reflecting the righteousness of God. Um, you want to see something? Go to Luke 8. Luke chapter 8. Remember the parable of the soil? The sower, sometimes it's called the parable Jesus gave. There's four kinds of soils in this parable. Um, and the parable actually starts like in verse 11. But anyway, you've heard, the, you've heard the parable of the sower, right? There's four different kinds of soils on which the seed is sown. And the soils are actually illustrations of hearts the hearts of men and the parable is about a fellow that's sowing seed on the ground and the seed is the word of God and the ground is the hearts of men and there's four kinds of soils that are listed here but there's only one soil that's listed as good all four soils have this one thing in common Let's look at it, starting in verse um, 12. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so they will not believe and be saved. Verse 13. Those on the rocky soil are those when they hear. 
receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they're choked by the worries, riches, and pleasures of this life, and they bear no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil are, are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. There's one thing that all four soils have in common. Did you see what it was? They all heard. Okay. They all heard. So hearing the word does not necessarily mean that that word has been implanted in a good heart. Now we need to start with hearing, but the key that James makes is this. Hearing the word is not sufficient to achieve the righteousness of God, to display it. We need to do the word, not just hear it. And then James illustrates it with a mirror. In verse 23, James 1, 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in his mirror. Once he's looked at himself and gone away, he, immediately, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Uh, how does this illustrate what he's trying to say? Did you pick that? How, how, how do you understand this illustration? Okay. How many of you this morning before you came looked in a mirror? Come on. Okay. It, it shows. Uh, no. <laughs> and why did you look in the mirror? To make sure everything was in order. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a Greek word for the world, and it's called cosmos, from which we get the word cosmetics. And the word cosmos is about the ordered world, the world in order. And so cosmetics, which is a derivative of that word, means that you're putting your face in order. That's really what it means. So that's why we look in a mirror. How does this illustrate what James is trying to prove? What's the illustration here? Oh, it could be. Uh, it's, not, it's not an easy illustration to, here's how I'm applying it. It doesn't maybe fit in all the... So you go to a mirror and you look and you see that there's dirt on your face and then you go away and you don't do anything about it. I think that's the point of it here. The point of a mirror is to expose things that needed to be fixed. The point of the word of God is to, ex part of it anyway, is to expose for us those areas in our life that not are, are not according to the will of God. And the intent is if you hear that and do nothing about it, you're just like a person that looks in a mirror, sees something that needs to be fixed, and you go on your way, and then you kind of forget all about it. And that's the other thing about only hearing the word without doing the word. You are more likely to forget things that you hear as opposed to things that you actually do. So just learning about something but never having any hands-on experience with doing it um, that's simply not enough to make changes in your life. Lori? 
Yes, I think so. Yeah. We walk away and essentially what we're saying, what the Lord wants in my life isn't really that big a deal. And so we don't do anything about it. Doers of the word as opposed to merely hearers. And so James goes on to talk about the alternative. Verse 24, you forget what kind of person you are and so you don't make any of the necessary changes. Verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. I'm going to come back to that verse in a moment. But so can you think of any other places where we see this idea of hearing and doing? I know that's a broad question. It's probably Matthew 7, right? Uh, where, where at, Carrie? 724. Let's go there. All right. This is Jesus illustrating the very same thing. Matthew 724. We're all familiar with the guy that built his house on the sand and the guy that built his house on the rock. And and yet do you realize what the point of that parable is? Verse 24 of Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blow, slammed against the house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, floods came, winds blew, slammed against the house, and it fell and great was its fall. Hearing and doing. You set a foundation for righteousness in our lives when we hear and do the things that God has asked us to do. Um, later on in the book of James, there's this verse that James uses in 4.17. He says, therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to that man it is, next word, Sin. If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, that's sin. Uh, sometimes it's referred to as a sin of omission. It's something that I didn't do as opposed to something that I did do. And so knowing and doing, uh, James isn't the only one that talks about this. Jesus talked about it. Um, but then back in James chapter 1, verse 25, he says the one that does, he's taking off on this mirror illustration, the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. Okay, so what are we looking at in verse 25 that James has been talking about? The word. Why is it called the law of liberty? Yeah, that's right. Um Galatians talks about how the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
And so the law, there's a, a reference in James that we'll see also about the law of Christ. That's what we're talking about here. It's like looking in a mirror. You're looking at the perfect. You're looking at the perfection that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're looking at it. And if we look and as it says here, abide or remain in that not being a simply a forgetful hearer, but we do what we see, then there's a promise of blessing. Hearing is not enough. When we do what the Lord has asked us to do, when we obey, James one twenty five says that you will be blessed in what you do. There is a there is a principle throughout the entire scripture. It's very simple. God blesses obedience. And if you're people who, people, you're people. Um, when we talk about, you know, how can I get the blessing of God in my life? Well, it's pretty simple. God blesses obedience. Now, if you're asking, how do I get more money in my life? Or how do I get, uh, you know, less hardships or that kind of thing? Um, that may not be the blessing that God has for you. But obedience always brings God's blessing. Here's Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So see, there's a connection there between obedience and God's blessing. Deuteronomy 28, God has a whole chapter devoted uh, to promised blessings for Israel if they obey. It says, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. All these blessings shall come upon you. But then verse 15 in Deuteronomy 28 says, if you do not obey the Lord your God, then all these curses will come upon you. So we'd like to talk about the blessing of God. Uh, Jesus said in John 13, 17, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. He repeats it in Luke 8, uh, 11, 28. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Psalm 1, very first psalm in the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Sits in the way of, yeah, yeah but the, he's blessed for what he does. When I choose to hear the word and not do it, I am robbing myself of blessing that I could be having in my life. And it may very well be that our current situation in life, whatever it is, may be the result of refusing to obey somewhere back here. A lot of times we mistakenly live with the idea that God saves us based on our faith and then he just kind of leaves us alone. Let's just do our own thing. That's not the way God works. Every day he's involved in our lives and sometimes he's disciplining us because we have not obeyed what he's asked us to do. And we don't always make the connection. We just assume that, well, this is just the way circumstances are. 
Jesus said, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. James says, if you look at the word of God, you hear what it says, and you do it, God's going to bless you. That's where blessing comes from. And we don't always know whether my troubles or trials are the result of something that I did in the past or whether they're just God's afflictions that he brings into my life to make me grow. We, we don't always know that. But these verses say that when you obey, God's going to bless you. Don't make the mistake in thinking in terms of God's blessing merely as material things. Those are the things that we need the least. What do we need more than material things? We need the joy of the Lord. We need the hope of our salvation. We need, uh, we need the strength to the strength of faith to go through trials and troubled times. People that have all the material possessions in the world still struggle with those very things. So when the Lord blesses us, you might still be poor. But the blessings are those riches that come through like the fruit of the Spirit that make life much more enjoyable. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves promised blessings for obedience okay uh, hearing the word of god enables us to know this is what god wants for us and what god wants for us is always what's best for us because he created us in a certain manner and our lives are not truly fulfilled and satisfied until our our lives are consistent with how he intended us to live uh, what motivation do we have to obey? What, 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 why, why obey? I mean, I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, that's non-negotiable. That's not based on behavior. That's not based on what I do or don't do. So really, why? Uh, I mean, I'll obey some things because I think they're the right thing to do. Other things I won't obey because simply, I, well, why won't I obey? Obey out of our love for the Lord. Fear. <laughs> Fear became a factor as well. And that's not a bad thing. Um, it talks about the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, so anyway, we ought to do it because of our great love for the Lord. And other times we do it because we don't want the Lord's discipline because discipline is painful. You know, that my choices have an impact on people, other people around me. My choice can make things worse for them. Uh, he, he can discipline us or he can bless us. And that's not a selfish motivation. That's a promise from the Lord. It, the Lord is like a loving father. He wants to bless his children. We want to bless our children, don't we? We want to give them things that... Uh, are good for them and those verses that you, you that you quoted you notice they all have an action in them that we're expected to do resist the devil you got to choose to do that 
draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Uh, so again, these choices are obedience is for our good and it's for God's glory. And uh, uh, so, so this, this just to, just to conclude, you know, we deal with this every day. Am I going to obey what I know the Lord wants me to do or am I not? So what Patty said is she tries not to grieve the Holy Spirit because to do so interferes with your hearing the voice of the Lord. And that, and that does. The flesh is going to get in the way. And so, so today when you go home, uh, before the end of the day, you'll be faced with some choices regarding obedience. Um, let's make the right choice. Be, be blessed by the Lord.